for The Daily Review, a podcast dedicated to reviews and discussion of TV, movies, and books. Look for us at Daily Review on Facebook and Twitter and dailyreview.com on the web. That's D-A-L-E-Y review.com. This is Paul Daly here with my wife, Caroline. Hey, guys. And we're here to discuss the 16th episode of the second season of NBC's This Is Us. This one was called Vegas, baby. (laughs) It brought all the Vegas. (laughs) Right, the highs, the lows, the drama. I know, right? The like people getting mad, fighting, getting back together. It's like everything Vegas is meant to be, right? Right. All the things you don't talk about when you go back to your regular life <laughs> happens during this. So the theme, though, I would say at the beginning at least, or, or connective thread throughout is grand gestures, right? How would you define grand gestures? Oh, geez. Uh, well, the Jack Pearson definition is pretty good. Um, what would you have said, though, before hearing Jax, what, what would you have said was a grand gesture? I wouldn't have put it as eloquently as he did. I would have said something a little more like a very thoughtful gift that is of a gigantic scale that the person had no idea was coming and uh, just shows how thoughtful you are about them. I agree with you. And I think I would add that my emphasis would have been on the, the huge nature of it. And the shock value of it and the sort of like once in a lifetime kind of thing about it. And I feel like Jack really put the two of us in our place with his definition. Grand gestures is like a it's a it's a term that gets not exactly in the popular usage, but it is out there. And like we've heard it applied in other places. And, and I guess the, the terminology was a little spoiled for me when we heard Damon use it at the at the leftovers talk when he called the leftovers finale what the guilty remnant did as a grand gesture. Oh geez, I didn't even <laughs> I didn't recognize he called it that. Yeah. Yeah, that's certainly calling it something different, isn't it? <laughs> that's a large scale, you'll remember it for the rest of your life kind of thing. Yeah, see, no, that that is the kind of stuff though. Large scale, remember it the rest of your life. That is how I would have defined it. But yeah. Jack goes a completely different direction with this. And I appreciate it because I think that it does get to the to the root of what a grand gesture is. So his quote is that it's taking the time to tell a person, I see you, I hear you, and I know what you need right now. And that's like, oh, man, that is actually what makes a grand gesture so meaningful, isn't it? In a way, when they decide to uh, settle on no gifts for the whatever if you know reunion not reunion anniversary that that they depict for the bulk of the episode right that was doing exactly what he said he was going to do or not do like his his definition of a grand gesture would include giving rebecca what she thought she needed by not giving presents that year so that it is still the grand gesture. Right, basically. <laughs> it's a roundabout. That, that's what I'm trying to say, yeah. I hear you. So let's talk about that first anniversary. And it, it showed us Jack and Rebecca bowling. I thought their their gifts were amazing. I, I loved Rebecca's gift, actually, that apparently Jack had, like, scrawled down little notes here or there. And she, like, collected the little scraps of paper around and had them bound in a book. I mean, that seems like something that you would completely enjoy. Compared to like, you know, your average bear with heart or other, you know, trinket that you might get in those early years. uh, Yeah, that's a pretty home run kind of kind of gift. And especially for a guy like, I mean, don't you think that like guys for me are like, it's hard to pick something. I feel like it's easier to buy for our mothers than it is for our fathers. And I think maybe there's so much of the gift world that's like driven towards what you're supposed to get a woman. But men are really hard. It's hard to get something that actually is sentimental. So, and how much work that would have taken her to like be collecting throughout the year, you know? Mm -hmm. Amazing. What did you think about Jack's grand gesture? I mean, the practical side of me is like, they would never let them dance on a lane. They'd have to spend all that time re-waxing it and stuff. And besides that, they're so waxy that you can't safely be on a lane. (laughs) It'd be so slippery. Right. You'd fall on your ass. So, uh, but... So this you guys is Hollywood. Can, you can hear the romance level out of out of Paul, right? Like this well, is he's like he's like listen practically. Maybe that's the dance lane, <laughs> and they don't keep it waxed up. That let's assume they have a special dance lane. So if you take out all the safety hazards 
and just look at the the gesture itself you can't i mean i can't imagine a more romantic kind of kind of thing than having this entire place full of strangers draw their attention to you and your wife and you're just going to slow dance everyone else has to have the lights turned low so that you can have like the disco ball go and everything and it's just for you yes i mean he wins <laughs> okay now but i have a question for you do you actually find that romantic or would you not find that the most embarrassing uh i can't even like you would never put together the words you just said the entire place has to shut down and watch you slow dance it's hard for me to to put into um like an equation where then that equals romantic to paul oh well i mean i i think it's more of an objective observance of what i believe would be romantic would i want to be jack in that situation i'm not really big on putting my moves on display like that i mean in, in like a pack uh, full of uh familiar people that's one thing but uh in 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 lane 30 uh, is a totally <laughs> can other you guys tell how completely venue? freaking uncomfortable he is with this and here's the thing my response to it i when i saw it happen i was like oh my god every woman would want this like every woman would want this especially i mean i have a whole personal thing about slow dancing like i don't know how many times a week do you think i grab on you and make you slow dance with me three or four now, and when I say make, I mean, like, I have to wrap my arms and legs around him like a cobra and, like, force him to stay put because instantly, as soon as I start doing, he tries to break away, like, as fast as he can. He tries to bolt. And I'm like, you're going to stay here, right? It's true. It's gotten worse with with the addition of Alexa. She can just whip up a song <laughs> with a few words. So, okay. So, I have to ask, what makes you hate Slow dancing, spur of the moment. Dancing in general, I don't care about at all. 0% caring about dancing. And then my performance of dancing is not what I consider like one of my strong suits. And so, I mean, the combination of not caring and being bad at it, being called stiff or whatever by just casual observers throughout the history of my life has added up to just sort of this negative, not wanting to do it kind of kind of thing. Well, I hope that This Is Us is going to have infiltrated your brain and your heart and say that I didn't see, da- I didn't see any dance moves out of Jack on that bowling alley. I didn't see any like, you know, big Fred Astaire dips or anything. It's just doing it. The act of just being like, I will submit to this idea, you don't have to hold me like a cobra. I'll just do it. I tell you, it's everything. And for me personally, it's everything. So like listeners, when our anniversary comes around at the end of July and Paul's all like, me, no, no. You'd be like, Paul, dance with your woman. And, you know, grand gesture it up, you know. I really enjoyed that they went ahead and showed us that there was like more than one grand gesture and they showed us that fourth anniversary. It was just a little quick snippet, but she gave him a hammer with his name like emblazoned on it. Right. Mm-hmm. And and she had this good reason, you know, that the guys at the at the, you know, the area, they, they always are stealing it at work and taking it and everything. And then he turns out and gives her a piano. Pianos are very expensive additions to the house. And and uh, he knows that she has this love of music and that was her thing when they were younger and blah, blah, blah. So, yes, I mean, hammers are are, uh, you know, men are so hard to buy for. Although I have to say, have I not bought you a musical instrument? Yes, you bought me my guitar. So I do feel like in that grand gesture sense, there is, you know, you can look beyond the like the fact that it's a man woman thing and be like, but what are their hobbies? What do they actually like? I mean, it's not monogrammed or anything. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> buying things, though, for work or like any of that. I mean, that comes into like buying a blender for me. Like, I'm like, really? I don't need any kind of things to help me do my job. The blender has so long been uh, the example of the worst gift ever that, in fact, our house has never actually had a proper blender. We still don't. Yo, we still don't. If we need to blend stuff. We'll blend it outside this home. We're blending stuff in here. (laughs) That just brings bad mojo. Okay? Right. We do have a magic bullet. So if if we need something blended, we can do it. It's sort of a novelty sort of thing. But I agree with you that it's like a, a, don't you bring that blender in here. What are you trying to pull? We have a minimal kind of (laughs) kitchen 
<laughs> you know, appliance staff, basically. I was just showing some of our friends over at so many shows that uh, I actually have this thing. It's called a noodle board, but it's like this wooden square that I put my uh, calendar on top of that sits. And I lifted up and showed them that actually the stovetop is underneath that <laughs> because it's so infrequently used that I can just cover it up all the time. It's true. We're not quite as bad as like, storing old files and things in the dishwasher or oven. like right we don't like on the middle we don't put like old blankets in the oven no it's not quite like that but yeah we're really close to it though really close so all right then we get on to this anniversary that's really spotlit in this um flashback of the one you were speaking about that they agree that Jack is not going to to do anything. The thing that creeped me out about this entire anniversary that they show is how many things reminded me of the last night of the fire. So like we start with this scene with him laying in bed and him waking up. And that's just how we started that fire episode, mm -hmm. you know, with him waking up in bed and the whole dynamic of this episode it it weirds me out. So we're well, I'm going to get to the end part of the really all the imagery. But the main thing is, is that the kids hear that the mom and dad are not going to do anything and they panic. I thought that their response was very sweet and they decide to take on the task of commemorating this year's anniversary upon themselves. Did you ever do this as a kid? As you can imagine, the man that taught me all I know about romance, he himself wasn't exactly like... He didn't know anything from the Jack Pearson school of, of romancing. Okay, so this is funny, but my brother and I decided to um, try to have an anniversary dinner for my parents. Now, they were not going to not celebrate, but for some reason, we thought this would be a good idea. And this is a family favorite story that I was probably like, I don't know, maybe 12 or something. We were using this old cookbook, and we decided we're going to make pork chops and I read it as boiling the pork chops instead of broiling the pork chops. So I totally put them in water and boil the pork chops. <laughs> Needless to say, it much turned out like Kevin's Cornish game hens. Not edible for dinner. Nice. I didn't know that story. <laughs> you did not know that? Oh, I, my God. This is like goes down in history. Is like you will hear my parents go like boiled pork chops. I'm like, Shut up. I thought I said boiled. I really did. I feel embarrassed. I don't think at 12 I even knew what broiled meant. So it's not like I can't read. It is not on this day that you learned that Caroline cannot read. But it's just I totally just missed the, the R there. You were just reading economically, you know, skipping what you thought you could. B with an O-I-L. Right. You know, like it was that whole word method that they had in Massachusetts. Yeah. Screwed you up. I learned phonics. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so I liked the prep work that Kate and Randall did. They went to the library and I really appreciated these looks that Kate kept giving Randall. Yes. This was... Uh, one of the tie-ins from the from the current timeline to the flashback timeline was meant to be this attachment that Kate felt toward Randall. This, I guess, is starting to be like the beginnings of that. I mean, it's not like they weren't friends before, but it's like she's seeing him in his element and appreciating him for who he is a little more than he gets to show at home. Very much. I mean, I I thought that the the little kids researching the library, I had no idea what it was that they were going to be doing. Later, we can put together that they were researching the meteor shower was going to be happening that night. But I had no idea what they were doing at the library. But you could definitely tell that Kate was feeling very smitten with Randall's uh, whole world there. And I, I loved that. Isn't there some fair chance that Randall's actual professional career I mean, it's tied up in weather. So do you think he has a meteorology degree background? He very something? much might. He very much might. And so how interesting if this was like maybe his foray into mm -hmm. looking up weather phenomenons. Right. Intrigue. I like that, Paul. Nice. We also find out that in Kevin's preparation of the dinner, when it doesn't really work out very well, he, he panics and he is crying about Sophie. And it turns out that Sophie's parents were mid-divorce and Kevin was certain that they weren't going to stay together because, you know, this is what happens. You start, you stop 
celebrating anniversaries and then you get divorced. That's a pretty deep thing for him to notice as a as a little kid. I mean, this was this was uh, an episode uh, for Kevin, both young and old, where he started to show that he 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 might turn out okay, <laughs> right? He definitely showed like a lot more like observational skills about other people around him and. Yeah, a lot of emotion. That he, he took on the whole cooking thing. Yeah, I mean, as, it was as very much caring. As, his, as much as Jack would let him anyway. Right. To a pretty good degree, you know, com- compared to, I mean, every other day of the year. I don't know how often he's making dinner for the family. Right, but we know? really got, a, I thought that was a really nice moment in the car between Kevin and Jack when Jack was explaining the idea of grand gestures and all this stuff. And, and Kevin is so cute about it. Yeah, his line is something like, and it doesn't hurt if you have a couple big ass hens. <laughs> and I love that because that's kind of true, right? It is like, you know, if you if you if you also up and have some awesome gifts in your grand gesture, that's just icing on the cake, right? Big ass hens. Big ass hens. That's funny. And I you know, those were the moments that you and I have been sort of yearning for. We were saying, like, I need to see Kevin as a younger kid where he shows like a more caring side and he shows a better rapport with his parents and he has a better, you know, give and take with, and, and he cooperates with his siblings. There was no fighting. There was no nothing in this episode. Well, with the adult Kevin climbing his personal Mount Everest and succeeding this episode, they needed young Kevin to, to, to toe the line, right? They couldn't have whiny young Kevin. They needed to meet this Kevin that was going to, show promise for 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 developing as a as an adult i really enjoyed it i really i felt like it was the balance that you and i had been looking for of just like it doesn't make sense that this kid was always this whiny mean pushy kid i gotta think he had these you know that he was balanced he had he was had a very caring nice side to him and so like for our friends ellen you know this was a really good episode i think of showing that kevin had of course these other moments they just haven't dived into them yet so i'm really glad that we got that okay so then after that the the dinner doesn't work out it turns out that the kids actually were excited to have the folks head up to their bedroom where they have created this little christmas light path to the window and a little note to go outside on the roof now Here's the thing. This should have been a very cute, endearing moment. But because of this imagery and because of the episode that we just had with the fire, I could not get into this scene. The Christmas lights on the ground, the like basically the floor lit up, you know, made me feel like too much like it looked like the fire. The climbing out of the master bedroom. If you recall the, the scene when they're climbing out is actually very dark because they don't have any lights on and the fire's only coming in. You know, From behind them, the light. But the but they have the door closed, right? Mm-hmm. So there's a there's a pretty good juxtaposition between the aura of light coming from the Christmas lights, uh, boiling up, illuminating this this good time, right? Versus the fire, which is shot at pretty much the same angle of them trying to get out of the window, but it's completely dark. It's smoky. It's not where you want to be. It's awful. So then, and then even climbing on the roof and being on the roof, you know, we have those last moments with Jack, um, you know, on the roof with, you know, the kids and everybody. And it's like, I just had them climbing out on the roof and I'm glad they had a good evening there, but my brain couldn't think of anything else. You know, I just, I felt so pained about the whole thing. And then we have this whole meteor shower conversation where, you know, Jack explains, which is is kind of interesting that, you know, Jack didn't know they were going to a meteor shower. I don't think he's always ready. He is always ready. So he's got this meteor metaphor and he's explaining to to Rebecca about how meteors are always up there. But it's only once in a while that you actually see one. And he doesn't need an anniversary to actually recognize Rebecca and their love because he sees her as his big meteor shower all the time. And he thanks her for marrying him and she thanks him for asking. And again, it's supposed to be this super sweet moment. And all I can see is them clinging to life on the roof of a fiery (laughs) building. I had a hard time with this one. What do you think? I needed some of these uh, symbols pointed out to me later. And I was able to enjoy the the scene for what it was, which was, you know, them just on the getting a moment together on their anniversary that they hadn't planned. That was much better than they uh, 
had expected to give themselves. Washing the commission bed. Right, the commish. <laughs> the commish. They just got to drop in some little references like that so you remember what time period they're in. And <laughs> so It's the era of the commish, apparently. <laughs> and that is how I mark time. I'm like, do you, I remember I was in eighth grade. It was the commish. You know, like, <laughs> right. like, whatever. Super funny. I'm almost positive the commish was an NBC show. Oh, hilarious. I bet. I bet. I wonder if you go back and look and see when they mention shows. Are they all NBC shows? I bet. How could they not be? Why would they not be? Right. Right. That'd be crazy. Okay. So we are going to get back to our Vegas baby and we're going to start talking about our preparations to head out for Toby's bachelor party and Kate's bachelorette party. We're going to start off with Randall and Beth dealing with them getting ready at home. Randall, his anxiety is a major threat in this whole episode because he is constantly worried about what's going on in Deja's world. And it's only getting worse the further he gets away from where he believes he can influence the problem. Yeah, we have this little mini flashback of them um, actually dealing with why Deja showed up in the previous episode. And what she tells them is that basically that they they need to keep the heat on. And so she needs like, it was like 80 some dollars. And she doesn't want more than that because she has to act like she like saved this from her allowance and everything. And they basically send her off with this exact amount of money that she needs but worried, worried about, is this true? I know a lot of viewers were like, I don't think that $89 was really to pay that bill. And well, I'm sure this... it was for something vital. Yeah. I don't think it was, you know. Like for drugs or something. I don't think like, it was no. for drugs. I don't think it was for something else. But it may have been something more related to the car that, that we see them in later. But saying the heat is like, you know. It's propelling, right? It, right. No, it, wait. What's the word? Not compelling. Propelling. compelling, yeah. And no, uh, <laughs> whereas this other thing would have let more in on the true condition that she was living in. And she still defaults to wanting to give her mom a chance. And even though, as we learn, things Things, things went have, to shit pretty things quick. Things have deteriorated. That's absolutely true. Well, and, and has for the actual Vegas trip, too, like it seems like. You know, Beth is so excited to be heading out and having this time away and being able to let her hair down. P.S. Her hair looked beautiful. Randall, you're right. I mean, he just couldn't let go. And also, he just, you know, he doesn't have the same, I don't think, excitement for places like Vegas. But then also, you know, I don't I don't quite know what they think about Toby, especially Randall. Like, I know we've had a lot of scenes with like Kevin, Kate and Toby, yeah. where we sort of got the, the lot. Twins. Yeah, we got a lot of ideas about that. But like Randall, you know, it seems like he should have nothing but like extreme love for Toby. But he kind of, you know, seems like he could take him or leave him sometimes. Who is it? Kate points out about her relationship with Beth. She spent like seven minutes alone the entire time that she's known Beth with Beth. And so... You know, maybe it's a proximity thing with Beth and Randall still being in New Jersey, New Jersey and, and Kate living mostly in California. Right. That's true. So, yeah, it might just be like they just haven't seen exposure, each other that much. That know? makes sense. So then we go over to Toby and Kate getting their preparations and we get a little insight into what you were just talking about that Kate's like not all that jazz that Beth is coming. Whereas, you know, she thinks her brothers are the bee's knees and Toby's going to get to spend all his time with the Pearson brothers. And he just couldn't be more excited about that. And Kate is just very like, and it turns out that um, her guests include like Madison and two women who I swear to God don't even have names in this episode who appear to be from the support group. You could tell on site. Yes, that's probably true. Oh, Mr. Daly. I think that that's what you were supposed to get out of that. I think so, too, because they seem to be friends with Madison as well. Right. So it seemed like they were all there together. But it, you know, it was weird that they didn't even give them names or seem to interact with them much, much really at all. Right. So they have to pay you a different scale if you actually speak on, <laughs> that's on, true. on air. That's totally true. That's true. Well, and on the flip side of town, we have Toby, who has no other family members there. We find out later in the evening that it turns out he does have a brother, but that he's not close to his brother at all he's they're like 10 years apart and he really was like hoping that kevin and randall would become this like brotherly bond that he's been 
eagerly looking for. And they start off their evening at dinner where Kevin tells a little Randall story. How did it go? It was something about strippers, right? At, at Basically Randall's- that Kevin had planned a Randall's bachelor party and they had gone to a strip joint. And by the end of the evening, Randall had talked two of the strippers into going back to school. Right, yeah. <laughs> and is- then one of them ends up dating Kevin. Yes. Which is <laughs> and he the was part like- that Kevin didn't really want to explain that part. He was but- like, that was a good time. <laughs> yeah that was that was a good story though it's very randall to uh to have done that absolutely oh my gosh for sure so throughout this dinner they uh they have these little moments kevin is 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 a little like i don't know feeling a little i uh, like what's the word i want to say like restless um he had had the scene earlier where he was prepping renata the maid that he is like going to face his demons here he's come to like the belly of the beast right and you know he he has her count like there's 27 bottles of liquor and you're going to come tomorrow and if there's 27 bottles of liquor here you're going to take this hundred bucks and they have that whole you know little discussion the rehab manny the rehab manny that was awesome you're the rehab manny <laughs> <laughs> that's so funny so he is like trying to like deal with that so he ends up taking a little walk over to the bar and he totally sees a woman that he had been acting with in that ron howard movie yeah it sure would have been great for her to be in that ron howard episode or the the uh Maybe Sylvester she Stallone was and we episode. just didn't see her i don't know i didn't pay that close of attention i but didn't recognize her i didn't recognize we her watch either. these things pretty closely kind of do you know tell us if we're wrong out there yeah and she informs him that she's been cut out of the movie which happens you know there are times when they even with name actors in the editing room, they they find that the plot line associated with them drags down the tempo of the movie or adds an element that they don't really want after looking at it on screen, and they just cut it all out. Well, and in particular, in this movie, they were saying that it was the whole idea of having a romance story in the middle of the war movie they just felt like wasn't the thing. And so that made a lot of sense. You know, sometimes that happens. So Kevin does some mental math about the number of scenes he made and the number of scenes that included this woman that by virtue of his association are automatically on the cutting room floor. And so he gets very sullen. And this is when the true test of his dedication to, to the cure comes. Yeah. What did you think? Did you think that Kevin was going to drink? What did you think was going to happen? I kind of did. And I was very proud that he didn't. Me too. We have, uh, we have in our sphere of influence several people that have taken the cure, if you will, it's interesting to me, as someone who chooses not to drink ever at all, some of them are very dedicated, like, I cannot touch anything for sure, right? Mm-hmm. Right. And then there are others that are like, yeah, a little here and there is okay, as long as I'm not doing something crazy or whatever. And then I'm always surprised by that. I'm like, I thought I heard that you, well, I'm not going to ask, so okay. And so it's... It's interesting. That, I guess it's, so I'm I guess proud it's of him. very, yeah, me too. And I guess that's very personal, like to those kinds of things, because I mean, everybody comes from different, you know, reasons why they drink and, and how they dealt with it. And some, some it's very situational and like that situation has come and gone. And so, you know, now they don't have that, those same pulls or whatever. I don't know. I, I'm with you a hundred percent. Everybody handles it very different. And I too, Ellen, am super proud of Kevin for going back to the hotel room. However, Okay, so here was the awkwardness. I was super proud of Kevin for going back to the hotel room, removing himself from the situation and going to do some sit-ups and get some cardio in, right? But I felt so bad that he left Toby's party. Like how, oh. That's the thing when you got your own personal business. I'm not even going to lay it at the feet of of a reputation for having been a self-absorbed person. I don't think that that's true. I think it's more like... I am also a person whose personal whatevers can occasionally overwhelm my public persona to the point where I can't have that anymore. And I got to just deal with whatever's going on personally. Well, and and I I think that's the deal here. As a family, like we've definitely had that too. Like we've mentioned you guys a million times that we have three special needs kiddos. And I mean, there's some things that, that people don't know have happened behind the scenes during the day or even during that event. And we've got to just bolt and we just can't handle it anymore. And it's not anything bad about the person or anything bad about anything. We just like it is like a self-preservation. Like we got to go. And so we always appreciate, you know, those family members that can understand and don't yell at us or feel pissed at us about it because, you know, it it still happens. We still have those times when it is difficult, very difficult. So um, 
I appreciated that Kevin did take care of himself. I really, really felt bad for Toby. And it only compounded the situation when Randall gets a phone call during the same dinner. And guess who it is? It's Deja just just checking in with this highly suspicious sounding phone call yeah. where she's talking kind of like in code. And if you are someone who is dealing with Randall, like Beth does later, and he's explaining back this uh, phone call, I'm sure it sounds like paranoid, anxiety-riddled bullshit, right? I think it did. And but we heard it too. Mm-hmm. And we and we and they even showed where she was. And so we know he's not wrong, you know, but he still has to go through this because it does sound crazy. If it was just on its face and he's been obsessing about Deja and then she calls, you'd be like, of course, it sounds like she has guns pointed at her because she's talking to you. you know? Yeah. I mean, she had this huge gaps in her conversation and then she was calling to let her know that Bill Nye, the science guy was on TV. Right. <laughs> okay. Okay. That does sound very cryptic. So that causes Randall to want to bolt and he heads off over to Kate's party to go find Beth, which they are at like this magic mic show. I have got to say, when I saw Randall walk into that building, I was like, no. He's so obsessed with this Deja thing that he's single tracked now. He's like, I need to get Beth and we need to go home. That's it. I can't even. Him showing up at that, not just showing up at the party, but showing up in this particular place where like, I got to say, when you're out with the girls and you're being silly and whatever, there's especially in Vegas. Good God. There's a reason why it's like what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. Good night, Irene. Having your husband walk in the back door and confront you. Shut up. This is like a nightmare. If dancing at the bowling alley is a dream, this is my ever living <laughs> nightmare. Oh, okay. Damn it, man. Oh, Jesus. I can't even imagine. Do not. Do not ever. It's not worth it. I'm telling you. Because the silliness that ensues, Beth didn't do anything. Was she being silly? Absolutely. But she didn't do anything. I thought for sure, though, I was scared that Randall was going to, like, blow up at her. Like, about the guy. Yeah, it seemed like he was heading that way. But then he almost kind of brushed it off as like a, he, he diminished it in a way, I thought. To be like, uh, to minimize it, to make it seem like she was being stupid in a way. Like wasting her time doing this when there was like other more important things. Or just, I think the threshold of more important things in that case was very low. It wasn't even (laughs) Deja. It was more like, you know, anything else is more important than what you're doing right now. Trying to diminish it to that level through what he said, because he didn't really, he did that by not blowing up about about the getting her freak on business. Those are his words. That is too funny. Okay, so we have uh, this Randall Beth blow up where, you know, she absolutely calls him out that like being with you and all your anxiety and all of your constant paranoia and stuff is like not a walk in the park yeah yeah that's tough it's, words it really I mean, and, reminded the, and the me... setting is even makes it even crazier <laughs> it really though reminded me of conversations back with do you remember rebecca you know yelling at jack and him being like oh i didn't realize being married to me was so difficult and uh, jack says that and randall says basically the exact same thing like oh i didn't know marrying me was like such a difficult thing uh, i should have caught that but you're right yeah and they basically are pointing out the same things like, yeah, well, but you have personal demons and personal issues, too. You know, it's just you're also a very good guy. And so we we overlook those. That's interesting. I mean, Jack died without, we presume, telling his bundle of historical facts that he had been keeping from Rebecca their entire relationship, especially relating to like his dad and that kind of stuff. And maybe and even war. the brother. Definitely war. The war. Right. Randall has been criticized online a lot about how he just sort of unilaterally just does something and um, just has to go along with it. And Beth just has to go along with it. It's kind of the same thing, isn't it? I mean, deciding to keep information or deciding to take an action there. I mean, Jack bought the house without her ever seeing it. Jack put down the money on the apartment without her ever seeing it. Jack basically uh, agreed to taking Randall without her even really being a part of the adoption, you know, at that moment in time. Yes, of course she came around, but he was definitely the pushing one. Yeah. So of of, of the of the three kids, definitely Randall's got the Jack template ingrained 
not even a little, quite a bit more than, than the others. Absolutely, he does. Well, so then Kate decides to step in on this argument. Bad idea. Terrible idea. Bad To, to come in between idea. a husband and wife, wife and husband argument. So without any specifics, we've had some sibling uh, intervention in the middle of an argument between us. And I can say it does not go well. It does not go well. It is a very quick turn from arguing with one another to venom to the sibling. Yeah, it's it's like it's like managing. Uh, this is a bad analogy given this the show, but it's like managing a house fire, right? And then the fire truck comes and it catches on fire. <laughs> so now you've got you've got to deal with two major problems going on here at the same time. <laughs> that was a, a very <laughs> interesting choice of analysis. It's the first thing that came to mind. <laughs> like it's like a dad dying unexpectedly. Like what? Right. Uh, but to be clear, is- dad, everybody universally loves. <laughs> <laughs> Nice. Yeah. So Kate has got just no way to gracefully not get herself. The whole situation is so bad, you know, and her attacking Beth. Yeah. I mean, uh, that was one of those moments that we as the audience kind of just kind of suffered through, I thought, because Kate started just talking and her mouth kind of got away from her before she realized what she even said. Yeah. You know, one of those very uncomfortable moments that occasionally happens in real life. Yeah, it does. It absolutely happens, especially in families where you say something and then afterwards you're like, I did not mean to go that far. And she did like clearly say, I don't know why I said that. I went too far. She totally backed off. But she, her night was screwed, you know, not unlike Toby's. Yeah, that's, her a, night that's was a point screwed. of no return situation. Right. <laughs> so then she ends up heading off to the slot machines. And meanwhile, Toby is trying to salvage his night with his guy pals. And it turns out that, that you know, the, the level of cool that Randall and Kevin bring to the table Toby's pals do not. Now, see, what they needed to do was if they wanted to have this Vegas style sort of thing, they could have. I mean, Toby has never shown a lack of funding, right? He's always he's always had money to pay for whatever it is he wants. Right. Yes. And those that group of guys with their tennis shoes and their, you know, little nerdy personas, they should have played Dungeons and Dragons. But had it like, you know, catered by women in bikinis or something like that, that would have gotten the the Vegasy showgirl thing. But you got to do what you actually wanted to do and you wouldn't be rejected for what you like. Damn, I thought you were going a whole different place. I thought you were going to say with all the money he had, why didn't they go have like a makeover montage and go get like sharp suits and now, haircuts? Why would you think that? I don't know. I These were nerds. They should have done nerdy things. <laughs> I didn't. I thought we were going from nerd to, to hottie. Just blitz it up a little bit. I just did not I didn't, know no, we were I'm going to No, I'm not saying bikinis. hire prostitutes. <laughs> I'm just saying, you know. A, a glitzier Dungeons and Dragons event than uh, than you normally get at your own kitchen table, which would be no glitz. No, there that is a <laughs> I zero. I could come in scenario. with like a handful of glitter and just go like, and that would be far more glitz than your standard. Like that vine we watched the other day when <laughs> Thomas walks in and splashes the glitter on the sleeping kid, and he's like fairy dust or whatever. And he just goes like in his eye holes. <laughs> goes in his eyes. Jesus, yeah. that's how you add glitz. Exactly. So Toby gets all turned on. I and basically it seemed like his pals like also vamoosed then, and Toby's like alone back in the hotel room, and Kate is alone at the slot machines. Nerds like that turn in early. Oh, jeez. They have like night guards and crap to put right, in. Right. Got to get the humidifier working correctly. Oh, my God. Yeah, CPAPs machines. <laughs> right. what, what has you. Right. Um, so then we have a conversation with Randall and Kate at the slot machine. And again, we have this recollection of, you know, not just that little bit that we had at, with, you know, Kate really looking really like she admired Randall as a young kid. But then now we see that they had this really seemingly extensive bonding time right after Jack died. What it sounds like happened from the looks of things is that we thought at first that maybe Kevin and Kate both bolted because that's what sort of was said in the therapy session in a previous episode. But what it, yeah, what it looks like though is really that Kevin probably left and Kate stuck around with Randall and it appears maybe Randall chooses to go to a school nearby. We, again, don't know where he goes to school, but chooses to go to school somewhere nearby. So maybe, you know, uh, this this makes more sense because remember there was that whole part where Kevin says you can't just be sitting outside the house like in your car. 
Mm-hmm. Like, so she, we knew she had to have stuck around, I guess, is what I'm saying. Because there was a period of time after that where she just hangs out outside the house. Okay. So things are starting, puzzle pieces are starting to be put together. And Kate and Randall's relationship is starting to solidify for me better. Like I I understand more about their give and take and how, you know, they really have supported each other through different times. And I had no appreciation for that before this episode, to be honest. Like none. Me neither. And I I don't know if there's a missed opportunity. It was just sort of like a twisting, I don't know, it wasn't quite right how... You know, we sh- we see the younger Kate appreciating Randall in the library and the smiles and all that kind of stuff. But then she mentions specifically the post-Jack death period. But there's no visual to go along with no, that. No, no, we don't yes, have there that was. Yet. No, no, yes, there was. It was like them. They were like eating cereal and stuff. They were watching Sex in the City. Uh-huh. And Randall's like, I don't even like that show. I watched it just to like be with you. Just oh, to hang you got out. me. So, yeah, so they did have this whole, again, they mentioned Sex in the City. They had to, like the commission, they have to mention a TV show to remind us the time period. And, you know, they, they did have these bonding times. So I 100% understand their relationship so much better. And I appreciate this episode for explaining that to us better. I even understand Randall and Beth's relationship better because, you know, they do have these bickering moments and they did explain that they do have these blow ups. And, you know, we got a lot of insight on how Beth feels and, so I thought that these relationships really were f- fleshed out like a whole bunch more. And this, you know, the reconnection there in the casino with Randall and Kate, that's the part that we were looking for. The part where she says, you know, he wanted to spend, Toby wanted to spend all this time with you guys. And that's when Randall, Like you know, clicks in like, yeah, oh crap, I got to get Kev and we got to get back to Toby. They reconstruct out of the tatters of the shittiest night ever, a grand gesture for Toby. Yeah. So it turns out that um, that Toby really wanted to do like this more, what I'm going to, it's called like the, um, not old fashioned, but like the, the Vegas experience of like Frank Sinatra kind of stuff. Right. That's not, exactly right. Not the casino kind of, you know, the, not the nightclub, I should say, but more that just vintage Vegas. If you've never been right to word. Vegas, but, but you've heard of the the Vegas Strip. That's what it is. The action is basically along one long road. You everybody takes the same route, basically, like from the airport. You know, you just turn on the strip and then everything's there. And the the Vegas that we know is things like it starts at like the Luxor and then there's like the Venetian, the Bellagio, New York, New York and Monte Carlo and all these things. And that's all new Vegas, basically, from the Luxor up to um the wind i think is about the the border but that's not what vegas was you know yeah it was what they currently call downtown vegas right that is that i'm has, gonna call it vintage vegas that has that uh mm. what would you call that kind of that arced uh ceiling over uh-huh. the top of it um and that's where he wanted to go and that's where they end up with that really cool shot of the three guys and the and the overhead um, imagery and illumination, all that kind of stuff. It's and it, the fireworks, really good shot. Yeah, and plus, I thought them walking down the ship looked very sort of like Ocean's Eleven, like these three guys. That's what he wanted. Walking together, he did. He wanted that camaraderie, that kind of like yeah, the old Vegas baby kind of Sinatra kind of feeling, little Sammy Davis Jr. Very grand. It was like they heard him, and they they gave... saw him, and they knew what he needed. Right. Right. And and they 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 totally came through. So I love that. I hope we get to see more Kevin Randall Toby. I thought that their connection was totally believable and really lets all of them show different parts of themselves. You know, Randall got to talk about Deja. Kevin got to talk about his movie. I thought it was great that Toby gave the advice that you should call Ron Howard and you should, you know, just tell him like, hey, you're making a huge mistake. Cut me out of this movie. Which Kevin acts on. And he finds out, in fact. That even though, you know, his part was diminished because of the love story excision, that Ron felt like that was the heart of the movie. The strongest part of the movie was the parts that Kevin stayed in. And specifically the father-son story was the whole movie. Right. And so uh, he alluded to the idea that Kevin might be needing to go to an award ceremony later. Right. He's like, take care of yourself, be healthy, buy a tux. 
So I loved all of that. I thought that that gave like, oh my gosh, if that doesn't like just fill Kevin's cup, right? I mean, <laughs> his little bucket was full. I mean, he was doing so well. And I hope that that means that he is going to be moving in a positive direction from here on because he faced his demons in Vegas. He he actually didn't just wallow in these worries about Ron Howard. He He, you know, took the bull by the horns and called him. And, you know, and he did write by his family, by his sister with Toby, with he was with Randall. He he did the right things. And so I feel like this was a hugely successful episode for him. I agree. This was, you know, we've been wondering, did Kevin truly hit rock bottom? And this is like the very, a very good positive step showing like, yeah, he's he's rebuilding now. And, he really is. And he had a pretty good chance. I mean, he was in Vegas where no one judges anybody for how much they drink. And and, and he could have gotten lost in an instant the second that he stepped away from the dinner. And then the he dinner, got bad news. Yeah. Right? Yeah. The second he stepped away from that party and got a bad news. I mean, shoot. That was, I mean, Sin City, right? It was all there for him. But he didn't. He came through the other, uh, other side. I'm starting to think this whole thing might be about Kevin. I mean, rather than the three of them, like his, his, since his arc of ups and downs and stuff like that, I think it's going to extend a long time, you know, in, oh, yeah. into these, into this, these, what do they call them? Uh, flash forwards that we're starting to get. You do know? you remember that we talked about not that many shows again that I thought maybe Kevin having a son would be the finale kind of thing of the series would be. That because it's like the father, we had Jack's father, Jack, we examined Randall and his father, they had an ending, then we have Kevin and now Kevin is the one who he's single, no thing. So it can go as long as they want it to go. And when they're ready for the series to end, he gets married and has a son. And then like, da, 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 da. and the line when they said, I always thought it was the father's son was the was the story that Ron Howard says. Mm -hmm. I think that's. Mm. They're telling us mm -hmm. I, the father and the son story was always the story. So I, you know, I think that there's a lot, a lot riding on this, but I, but I think it's true. I think it is. Well, let's get over to Randall and finish out his story with Deja. He, um, Kate and Beth do go ahead and make amends. And we have the moment where Kate actually explains herself more to Beth. Beth says, Hey, I eat, you know, chocolates and whatnot when I'm sad. For some reason, this is a total shocker to Kate, I guess because Beth is thin. She thinks you don't eat when you're emotional. But as I pointed out before, I just don't think that that's uncommon. You know, it's comfort food is comfort food. But Kate explains, you know, I don't have friends because I'm insecure about strong women. I'm insecure about you. You're such a cool girl and I'm so not. All these things was like, oh, that's why Kate doesn't have friends. Again, we've been asking, like, what the hell are they never showing any friends for her? This is so weird. Right. Because they're not there. And why it made sense that she would hook up with Madison, because she's insecure. Very she's not a strong person. woman. Yes. So it's like, oh, damn. So that opens the doors now that Beth can now make friends with Randall and they can say, OK, we can deal with this. And Beth feels compelled again to go ahead and explain that she also is really worried about Deja. And they have that Uber ride home from the airport. Right. And that was... I mean, this whole time, Randall's been kind of falling apart and he decides to say, OK, I'm going to I'm going to do my best to put it out of my mind and, and, and affect the things that I can affect. You know, this is this is the way arguments go, right, where you get some amount of information from the other person. And then later on, you find out actually they've been feeling the same way the whole time, but they've been trying to put up their strong face for their own personal needs or whatever. And so sounds familiar. Yes. <laughs> Uh, yes, we're not going to name names though, right? right? No, nobody's podcasts or anything. <laughs> no. <laughs> but the point is she feels the same way and, and she acts on it and she acts on it. She tells the, the, the driver to turn where, where, uh, where they could go to find Deja's place. They find there's no, she's been evicted. They've been evicted. And so they start poking around and they don't have to look very far. Because they are living out of their car. Yeah. And so we have these these little glimpses and I it's scenes for next week. But guys, I think that what we had said a long time ago, I think it's coming to pass that Randall would, would end up with Deja and his mom and her mom in William's apartment. And I swear to God, that's what we saw happening. I think that that is how this is going to go. So they're going to end up taking care of Deja and the mom 
in every way. They can make sure the lights to stay can stay on. They can make sure the heat stays on. They can make sure that they live a happy, comfortable, safe life. And now they can do it, but from like afar in more of like a caretaker standpoint, but not with Deja living in their home. Yeah. Do you think that this is how Deja's story will come to some sort of conclusion or oh, they she, can milk this I do mean, you think they're going to keep there are they going to have to come back and keep dealing with her problems or is it like the mother can is they a constant on? the mother's a constant source of potential for bad actors to enter deja's life right mm-hmm. she could fall back in with her crowd for one reason or another and then all of a sudden you have drug dealers in the building or whatever her particular deal was or Criminals. I don't need to say drug dealers, but you know, the, she was arrested, so she yeah. associated with criminals of some kind. Yeah, that kind of stuff. I think is just is just waiting on the vine for this for the writers to use just whenever they want to. Yes. Yeah. Do you? So you think that this will spread out beyond season two? Here, we think we're we're continuing with Deja all into season three and beyond. Yep. This this building is going to be um, a collection. I wonder, will it become a menagerie? Will we end up with like some other, will like Madison end up moving in there and like other people? Will this be a collection of people that are are here that the Pearsons put together? We could have a spinoff then that it's like sort of like 227, but it's like all the people who live in the apartment building and their <laughs> wacky stories about the Pearsons. Right. <laughs> like, this is them. They would call that story. This is them. <laughs> <laughs> that are them. <laughs> right. I love it. Well, thank you guys so much for listening this week. We cannot wait every week for that for a new episode to come out. I feel like that a lot of people had some, you know, concerns about this episode not being as uh, tear jerking. But I feel like if you really look into it, we learned a lot of things about our characters. And again, boy, damn, that imagery with the anniversary and those Christmas lights and the clapping out the window. If it doesn't make your throat hurt, then you're just not looking hard enough. Take and a good hard look. And you don't need the tears for for character development and, and no. Kevin needed a good, strong, you know, he's been inching. This episode was like a, a good solid step, you know, in, yeah. the, in the right direction. So absolutely. Lots of good Kevin stuff, reasonably good other, other character stuff. I saw that another, another uh, source gave it like a three star out of five star rating or something. I thought it was a better episode than that. Me too. I think that's too harsh. I, I, I definitely, I'm not, I won't give it a five, but I'll give it a four out of five. No problem at all. I, I'm a kind of okay with the Deja story winding down a little bit more for me um, because I really want Beth and Randall to have other adventures and it's not, has nothing to do with not liking Deja. It just is like, okay, I'm like kind of ready for them to do other things. So I want to see more about what's going on in their worlds elsewhere. So, thank you guys so much for listening you can listen to our stuff on so many shows.com as well as daily review d-a-l-e-y on facebook and twitter and our own website thank you guys so much thanks catch us on itunes or your preferred podcast software our website dailyreview.com that's d-a-l-e-y review.com facebook or twitter or wherever you find us please leave us a comment and a rating to let us know what you think of the show Thanks for listening, pot people. Thanks for listening to my mom and dad. You don't have to go home, but you can't stay here. Just go home, folks.